0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Rosano. I'm joined by John Fisher. Hello, John. Hello, Dan. Good morning to you. We have some minor news in terms of the size of the transaction, but more in terms of the implication major news uh, in terms of some loans that Devils players are either resolving or going out on right now, and that has to do with the start of the potential start of the NHL season. And also, we have our next five names on our top 25 under 25, and now that we're in the top 15 territory, there's there are some new names on here that weren't on the list by virtue of them joining the Devils this year, and this part of the list is actually extremely heavy in terms of those names, but these are names that Devils fans should be quite familiar with, both from a uh, prospect perspective and from a New Jersey Devils perspective, so... We'll get to those after we talk about the loan for Jesper Boquist being uh, terminated and Jesper Boquist seemingly being on his way back to New Jersey. Now, we were talking about this you know, before we started recording, but there's several implications to specifically this loan being terminated and what that means for the NHL season. So, John, if you want to go into those.
1: Right. So the source of this information comes from Timra I.K. or Timra – I'm not my, – my Swedish isn't very good, so I apologize to all the Swedish listeners for butchering their name. But Timra had Isaac Lundström of Anaheim and Jesper Bokvist of the Devils on loan deals, and yesterday – we're recording this on the 15th, so this happened on the 14th mm-hmm. – literally this is the statement both Isaac and Jesper are called back to their clubs we thank them for their efforts and time in Team IK and wish them good luck in the future end of statement <laughs> so the team so the loan team is saying they're coming back and i would anticipate more loans being ended very soon not just for the devils but throughout all the nhl teams who have loaned out players to europe because we need to work backwards from the potential timeline That the NHL is talking about for the 2020-2021 season. Well,
0: so let's give this some context with news that we found out uh, last week that, you know, related in North American sports, it seems like the uh, in terms of protocol, in terms of how the leagues have been handled, the NHL and NBA have been on pretty similar timelines and plans. uh, And the NBA announced that they would be returning on the 22nd of December.
1: Right. They want that Christmas game money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: and they they get it every year because that is by far the most prominent sport on Christmas.
1: It is. Just like Thanksgiving is for football, like it doesn't matter how good they are, you know, Detroit's going to be playing on Thanksgiving. <sighs> the um, Cowboys you know, a, The Cowboys are going to be playing on Thanksgiving, you know, it's a tradition. Yeah. And the NBA has made Christmas their tradition and just like the NHL has been trying to do and I would say successfully. Yeah, New to Year's a degree, Day. New Year's Day for the Winter Classic, mm-hmm. which they're not going to do for this year for very obvious reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, but the NHL has been adamant that they're going to start their season on January 1st. It's not known if it's going to be 48 games or 60 games. We don't know if it's going to allow interdivisional play or only within the divisions just to sort of like bubble in it, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. But we do know that if there's going to be a January 1st start, NHL teams are going to need about two weeks for training camp. And, of course, there's that whole Christmas holiday thing, so you have to figure, you know, they're not going to be, you know, practicing and doing warm-up drills and scrimmages on, thing- on Christmas. They're just not. Mm-hmm. Um, so January 1st, meaning if you go back two weeks or so, that means you're looking at around the 14th or the 15th for the start of camp. The other thing that has been coming out of these talks and negotiations is that the seven teams that did not return to play, including our favorite team, the New Jersey Devils, they'll get an extra week of camp to prepare which, okay, that doesn't sound like much, but it's something. Well, especially uh, for
0: a team that has a new coaching staff going into the season, any time is yes. helpful.
1: Yeah, that's true. An extra seven days just to talk with Ruff, talk with Racky, um, talk with the new guys, you know, that is important. So fair enough. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that puts your timeline starting around December 7th, December 8th. Now, at least for New Jersey, you have to quarantine for two weeks, because um, that's the general incubation period of the uh, coronavirus, mm-hmm. before you can actually do stuff with um, other people. So given that Bokvis is playing in Sweden, he'll need to quarantine himself for two weeks and, and should do so even if the team doesn't require it. I, I think they will require mm-hmm. it. But anyway, what that means is that he needs to get to New Jersey by November 23rd, and you figure you're not both. isn't just going to show up with nothing. He's got, you know, stuff to pack. He's got to find a place to be. Um, he's, he's got things to settle and sort out here. And he's probably going to spend this week doing that. Yeah. So even though it's November 15th and we're talking about something that's not, that may, may start on January 1st, he's got to come back like now. And I wouldn't be surprised if other players, uh, who are abroad, like Fabian Zetterlund, Mikhail Maltsev, Nick Merkley, Yannick Koukinen, um Yaron Sharangovich, uh, Mikhail Maltsev. I don't think Nikita Papagayov is uh-uh. necessarily <laughs> going to be included. Uh, Marion Studenich. Basically, I think that's the entire list of everybody who's currently loaned. So this coming week, you may start seeing that they're going to be ending their loans, and you will see this throughout the entire league. So um, that, I guess, is a good sign as any to say that NHL hockey could be returning Possibly. And the Devils just sent
0: out a player onto a loan, but this is a player that they're pretty sure will not be making the NHL roster this year, given that he was just drafted uh, about what a month ago. And that's yeah. goaltender Nico Dawes, who goes to Germany to play in uh, to, to play in their league. And again, Dawes, in terms of the depth chart, there's no way he breaks through to this roster with Blackwood and Crawford both there. No. And so they're going to give him as much playing time as possible. And we were talking about this, um, you know, again, before we started recording, but you have to look at these loans that we're talking about of the players that are in Europe right now on a case-by-case basis because it doesn't make much sense with all the uncertainty surrounding junior leagues, with all the uncertainty surrounding the NCAA, uncertainty surrounding the AHL. Unless it's someone who you think has a legitimate shot at training camp to at least show something or someone they want to see more at training camp, I don't think that serves any purpose to terminate their loan as opposed to giving them more minutes to play. The situation is obviously different if they're not playing that much where they are loaned out to, for example, uh, as you mentioned in Maltsev's case. But for someone like Zetterland, who's getting a lot of minutes, for someone like, um, you know, Merkley. uh, Merkley is more likely to make the team than a lot of the other prospects out on loan right now. But Zetterland is a good example of someone who, if he doesn't play in the AHL, there's really no purpose for him to be in North America for this season. So they might keep him out there just so he gets the playing time that he needs. Meanwhile, Yegor Sharangovich has his 12th goal in 24 games in the KHL. Uh maybe that's that elevated role is what he needs to stay in the whole time because if he goes to New Jersey and the AHL doesn't happen, then he is not likely to get as many minutes as he would playing in the KHL.
1: Right. And the big uncertainty around the actual AHL because they're aiming for a February 5th start. But as you know, February 5th is pretty much an eternity at this point, given how the year has been going. Mm -hmm. A lot can change, and we're talking about a a league that really lives and dies by its live crowds. Like, say what you like. Every every sports team in the world is hurting, but most of the big professional teams, the NHL included, they're owned by billionaires. They're owned by very rich people. You know, the New Jersey Devils are at no risk of going away, Mm -hmm. but the AHL and the ECHL, the junior teams, the youth teams. They're more at risk of not having any money at the gate, basically, that would supplant their operations. So there is a concern of whether or not maybe the NHL allows a larger roster than 23 players for an active roster pending an AHL season not happening.
0: That's possible, especially considering that they might have to group games much closer together.
1: Exactly. And so therefore, guys who are potentially on the bubble or guys who work their way to become on the bubble, like Sharon Govich, I would argue, mm-hmm. has probably made the best case out of all the lone, loaned out players yeah. of being, you know, a guy who could probably play at the next level. Um, and a guy like even Zetterlund, where, you know, you know, yes, Merkley may be a right winger. You could move McLeod to right wing. Um, Studi Nietzsche has done well in Slovakia. He's kind of a dark horse for that position. But, you know, if somebody gets injured, all of a sudden you need right wingers he's a right winger, (laughs) you know, you, you you know, his odds may be improving. It's like a black
0: aces kind of thing, right? Like for the playoffs, you have players just training on the side, ready to hop in in terms of in in case of injury, you might have that all season here.
1: Essentially. Yeah. And at the same time, given that there is a new coaching staff and Lindy Ruff specifically stated, he likes and, and took the job because he likes working with young players. He wants to work with their development. So for a guy who's 21 years old, like Zetterlund, you know, Having rough in your ear and recce in your other ear might do you a bit of good. Um, I would agree that in general it's better to go play somewhere than not play, mm-hmm. especially for a player that young. But you know that's that you know there there are pluses and minuses to doing it, and also we don't know how the loan contracts are uh, structured. It could be a case where it may not be an option to keep or extend the loan per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I don't know how they're written. I don't know how they're structured. I, as far as I know, it's just there's a clause that when training camp resumes, they come back. They can come back. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see in a couple weeks because, again, if we're aiming for a January 1st start date, a December 7th date for a training camp for New Jersey is kind of in that window. We're probably going to start seeing some news on that front very soon because December 7th is just, let's see here, one, two, three weeks away. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, everything's approaching much quicker than anticipated because time isn't real. Um, and <laughs> it's been one long, continuous month of sports on and off. But we're we're getting to the point where hockey, there are indicators that it's coming back, and there are definitely moves being made to ensure that
1: happens. So Right. And um, and getting back to Dawes a little bit, because I kind of over completely forgot to talk about it. Oh, that's OK. He's put he's playing for ERC Ingolstadt mm-hmm. um, since Dawes is a German. You know, he has a German passport. Um, the transition, I think, you know, for that s- uh, standpoint, is pretty straightforward. And again, we don't know if the OHL is going to have a season like mm-hmm. there's going to be a political fight over. whether They're not going to have body checking. And even if there was an OHL season, you could argue what's what's the benefit for Dawes. He was literally their goaltender of the year last season. Well, also, how long
0: will that season last given the exactly. developments in North America with the
1: virus? Exactly. So even though in Germany, where, you know, no matter what, no matter what anybody tells you, this, the virus is still not in a good place in Germany. No. Um, and also the fact that Ingolstadt currently isn't playing like Germany is doing this eight-team cup round robin cup tournament called the Manga Sport Cup, Manga Sport being one of their sponsors. Um, Ingolstadt's not in that tourney. It doesn't look like it's going to end until December 10th. So it looks like it'll be some time before Dawes can actually play some hockey, but it's going to be a lot sooner than what the OHL would be doing. So at least he'll get an extra month and a half of games potentially. Mm-hmm. So best of luck is Dawes and Ingolstadt. He is playing pro hockey in Germany. Um, we'll see how he does and hopefully he, hopefully he does well. But, um, uh, to your, to, to what we were talking about just now is that it's important for a For younger players to go out and play well this is an opportunity for him to play instead of just waiting around for whatever the guelph storm will be able to do Mm -hmm. in february assuming we have a season (laughs) it's true there's a lot of
0: assumptions that need to be made to ensure any of this happens you know if things get bad enough we might just see everything canceled like it was back in um back in march but that you know there's there's nothing we could do about any of that so Uh, What we can control is the list of—well, actually, we can't control that either, but what we can partially control (laughs) is the top 25 under 25 uh, prospects for the Devils, and we're at numbers 11 to 15 now, and we're at a unique point where only one of these people was a Devils prospect last year, uh, going into the year, and he wasn't officially signed yet at that point either. And so we have five fresh new names to the list, even though one of them— has been on the list before as someone in the system, but he finally signed his ELC um, because of all this uncertainty. So let's get to him when we get to him. Starting with number 15 on this list of top 25 under 25, this is someone who Devils fans probably didn't know a lot about before 2020 and still didn't know a lot about even after he was drafted in the first round of 2020 at the 20th overall pick, and that is defenseman Shakir Mukamadoulin.
1: You know, Dan, I could use this opportunity to call you out. Oh yeah. Because you were the only person to not rank him in the top twenty five yeah. on your list. Yeah. You ranked him rather lowly. Yeah. Now I will say that your low rank did not would not have deterred his position on the on the final list. He would have been fifteenth regardless. Yeah. Well So I'm not gonna call you out. Because <laughs> it ultimately didn't matter. That's part of the reason how the voting works. So this way even one one really high or one really low vote would not, you know, poison the well, so to speak. Right. But I'm, I'm going to be upfront. I was not a fan of the Shakir Mukhammadulin pick. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when guys at uh, Dabber Prospects, Elite Prospects, um, Will Scouch, uh, uh, Steve Curianos, I'll rank a guy around in the 60, 70, 80 range, and you're taking him at 20th overall. You start going, What in the world are you doing? Uh-huh. And in, in Mikuma Doolin's case, his big concern has been decision making on defense, as in he just blanks out and makes bad mistakes at the MHL level, which is the Russian Junior League. Uh-huh. Um, but he came in at 20th overall, and I would say among all the players on the list, he probably is having one of the better. 2020 21 seasons right now and is more than justifying his his selection
0: he's seeing Uh, pretty big minutes uh oh yeah ufa and also the thing with him that i think the devils really knew they needed a defenseman somewhere in those first three picks and knew they wouldn't be drafting until the third round where mukamadulin was likely going to be gone yes was it a reach at 20 absolutely but it did he fit the bill for what they wanted i guess so
1: well, again, he's making the most of his opportunities. Um, you know, the KHL, like everywhere else in the world, has been hit by the pandemic. I think that helped contribute to younger players in the KHL getting an opportunity that they otherwise just would not get because Russian hockey culture says, no, you're too young. You can't play a lot. Mm-hmm. To that extent, um, Muka Madulin played. He, he dressed for 27 games for Ufa last season, but he averaged three minutes and seven seconds, which basically <laughs> means why are you even dressed? Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. It's five shifts a game. This season, he's averaging thirteen minutes and seven seconds, which is still like ninth out of eleventh UFA defenseman. But the difference is he's getting at least eighteen shifts per game. Like that's actually a fairly regular role. Mm-hmm. And there he's had a couple games where he's had at least fifteen minutes per game. So there are some there have been some times where the coaches have rewarded his efforts with more shifts, more minutes, more opportunities. And despite the fact he's only played as, as little as he did, he does have two goals and five assists, which granted the KHL is apparently a very low scoring league, but uh, an 18 year old defenseman with seven points. Second only to Philip Larson, who's UFA's top defenseman who has 10 points. Um, You know, these are all good pluses. And I think the other big factor is, is his recent uh, performances at the Karjala cup for Russia. He was their minute leader. He played the most minutes out of all the Russian players at that tourney in all three games. Mm -hmm. Um, He did well. Uh, Peter Molina, I linked to his Twitter account in the um, post about the top 25 under 25. He did a, a statistical analysis of the Russian team at the Kojala Cup. Mukha Medulin appeared to play very well. So even though people are appropriately getting hyped for Rodayna um Yaroslav Askarov at the tourney because they played very, very well, Mukha Medulin had himself a very good tournament. And, it, and since the Russians sent an under 20 team, it's a good sign that he's going to go to the World Junior Championships and be a big presence on the Russian blue line. More than just being physically big, but actually like in terms of role. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, this is a very, very good uh, start to his season, and I think it helps justify his placement on the list. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that the only reason I didn't have him up there higher was because of the uncertainty surrounding him was just right. because of where he was drafted compared to where he was projected to be drafted and the fact that when at the time of making this list I think by the time I submitted he hadn't uh enjoyed too much of this great start that we're talking about just yet. So True. Yeah, um, well, like
1: these, these votes were back in like September. So I mean So like that was a bit uh, of a delay here.
0: It was all a perception thing. I apologize in advance to uh Shakir. You don't need to apologize, Madolins, you know uh but hopefully I mean, he pans out and it looks like he's had a great start so far to be able to do just that so
1: i mean he's 18 he's going to be on the he's going to be on the list for another 6 years yeah so. <laughs> he's got he's got
0: plenty of time and hopefully that is more representative of his time actually in new jersey so uh next name on our list is someone who was acquired last year in the Taylor Hall trade and who weirdly enough you know before they used the pick this year from Arizona on Dawson Mercer uh, this guy seemed to be. These actually next two guys on our list were both acquired in this trade, and they seemed to both be emerging as pretty good pieces that came out of that. One of them was the prospect centerpiece, I'd say. That was the main like main prospect going over. But Nick Merkley, who's number fourteen, was a nice little bonus attached in that trade. Um, and he actually he he showed some really nice stuff for the Devils when he was playing. Uh, on the bottom six, but he continues to do well in his loan abroad as well.
1: Absolutely. Now, Merkley is 23 years old, and in a sense, you could call him a bust. You know, he was a first-round draft pick for Arizona. He played one game for the Coyotes, Mm -hmm. and that was back in 2017-18. All his other time has been playing well for Tucson, which is a little concerning in the sense that it's not like Arizona has been this amazing team in recent memory. So it begs the question of, like, how come he could not crack this lineup? Um, but I, I think it's a classic case of he just needed a change of scenery, and so far that change of scenery has looked really good for him. He jumped right into Binghamton and started contributing. You could almost point to him as being one of the reasons for their turnaround that season. He was on a top line with Brett Ceeny and Ben Street. He put up eight goals and 11 assists in 28 games. Jeff and his panel rated him very highly. Um, he got a four-game call up to New Jersey, where he was he, something notable happened in every game that he played in. He set up Joey Anderson. Uh, for a goal on his first game as a New Jersey Devil, he banged in a rebound against Columbus in his second game, which I think turned out to be the first win over Columbus in like a decade. Yeah. Well, yep. it felt like a decade. <laughs> it's not actually a decade. He got it's, hit in the eye. Know, <laughs> he got hit in the eye in the St. Louis game, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. And while he was pointless against Washington, he was one of the few players who was actually positive in the run of play. So, I mean, it's the kind of call-up, like similar to Nathan Bastion's seven games from two seasons ago, it's the sort of call-up that makes you go – you know what? I think I I could, I want to see this guy in the NHL. I I think he has a shot at being in the New Jersey devils. And given that he's 23, it's almost like your time is now. Mm -hmm. I think what's most telling is the fact he was loaned out. I mean, all the other players that have been loaned out have been European based players or players that originally came from Europe. Uh, Merkley is the only North American that was loaned out. Mm -hmm. Um, He was loaned out to Asat of the league of the Finnish Liga and you know, when I wrote the post, um, you know, he was tied for third on the team with 10 points with four goals and six assists in 15 games, which is very good for a guy who, as far as I could tell, never played in Europe, yep. never played Finnish hockey. So it shows some great adaptability that he could go to a new hockey culture, a new hockey style, a, a, an organization where he knows he's only going to be there for a temporary uh, basis. Cause I imagine New Jersey will bring him back over the minute camp opens up yep. and, um, you know, he's one of their top scorers. Like that's something that's very good. It's it's another sign that he's uh you know, his time is just about now. And again, Anderson got traded. Murky's way way very eligible. I think if the devils see him as a right winger, and I think he is a right he should be as a right winger, Asada's using him as a right winger the spot is his to lose i'll I'll be that bold about Mm -hmm. it i think he's he's got to do bad at camp to not get a roster spot as opposed to other players who need to do well to get a roster spot
0: he got himself into a little bit of trouble too and got earned himself a suspension um (laughs) during his loan period uh which is not something you'd like to see from one of your prospects representing your team abroad but you know it happens in hockey and uh we haven't heard much disciplinary stuff happening since then, just a lot of scoring and being involved in the play. So hopefully Merkley keeps it up and it kind of brings us to the next name on our list, uh, who was another piece in that Taylor hall deal, but he was considered this, this player, another defenseman, actually, this is probably the most defenseman heavy five on our list. Uh, this is Kevin Ball, and he came over as the centerpiece prospect in the Hall deal. Obviously, the first was a bit more important in terms of the asset, but Kevin Ball was considered Arizona's second or third best defensive prospect when he came over. And he's become kind of similar for the Devils in that way.
1: Well, Ray Shiro, you know— the... The rumors before the before the trade actually happened is that that was the sticking point. He wanted Kevin Ball, and Arizona eventually said, "Yeah, here you go." Mm -hmm. He wanted the six foot seven tower of power of the Ottawa Sixty Sevens, and well, obviously that's part of the reason why people are excited for him. He is a legit massive man. Yes, he is legitimately six foot seven and two hundred and forty pounds. He just turned 20, Dan. <laughs> this is not a man that you are going to mess with. So if <laughs> you're one of those people, <laughs> if, if, you know, I'm not a big size person. You know, I, I've seen too many games from guys like Francois Beauchemin, who stands barely five foot eight and, you know, is built like a fire hydrant. You know, you don't need to be tall to be effective as a defenseman. Right. Um. But that being said, ball is massive. And more importantly than that, ball was effectively the second, you know, defenseman on the best major junior team in hockey last season. Noel Hoffenmeyer had played the most minutes for the 67s ball came in at second. A Also a devil's prospect came in at around third based on estimated ice time from pick two to four Brock Otten of OHL prospects noted that he actually made some legitimate improvements in this past season with the 67s. He apparently improved his skating to a point where, you know, he doesn't get beat in wide situations or open ice situations that much, which was a big concern uh, from a season or two ago, his passing and decision making was very well. Uh, Otten actually cited a stat uh, from a tracking company that noted that Ball like had something close to like ninety percent accuracy with his passing, which is it's remarkable. Not bad, yeah, yeah. The production also,
0: isn't like quite there. No, even just comparing him to like other Devils defensemen, no. it's not. It's not happening.
1: <laughs> no, it isn't. No, but that being said, granted the OHL ended their season early like everyone else did last year. Yeah, but he wasn't but, exactly
0: uh, on pace to, you know, scorch the earth in terms of no, reproduction. No, but
1: what I was going to say is that the OHL still named him to their second all-star team. <laughs> so they still said among all the defensemen in the league, he's like among the top four.
0: Yeah, which is, you know, uh, we take
1: those. <laughs> yeah, and he also, you know, his shutdown style of defense was effective for Canada at the World Junior Championship. So, it, you know, yes, it was just seven games, but it's seven games against unfamiliar opponents in unfamiliar climates. So that, that, the big concern about Ball is the fact that he's effectively a one-dimensional defenseman. You know, as you said, Dan, you're, any offense you get from him is basically a bonus. He's here to defend. He's here to be big. He's here to be big and defensive. The thing is, is that that one dimension could be really, really good. So it's going to be really telling of how he gets on in pro hockey in terms of where he stands. I think right now, like, again, he's 13th on the list because he had a very good junior career, um, but he is 20 years old. The AHL is his next step. Uh He's likely going to be going to Binghamton pending an actual season with Binghamton. Um, So he has, there is NHL potential. There are signs of growth. Um, So coming in at 13th, list is, is a pretty good spot. Um, I think the only thing, the only the main reason why people aren't more excited about him is, is again, he's just a one dimensional guy, but There's a lot of hope in that one dimension, so he comes in pretty high in his debut on the list.
0: Yeah, so the the perception category definitely worked wonders for him here because he played with Ty Smith on the Canada Junior team, and he played with a lot of other Devils prospects on the 67. So there's a lot of name recognition going on here for Kevin Ball, and there's a lot of hope invested in him being, despite being one-dimensional, using that dimension very well. Um, That's right. So yeah, he he comes in at number thirteen. At number twelve, we have another defenseman who is the only one of the this group of five that was in the Devil system as of last year, but now he is officially non-redraftable as Riley Walsh <laughs> has signed his uh, entry-level deal with the Devils. He is number twelve on our list, and he is not having a season this year because it doesn't look like he it doesn't seem like he can have one if he goes back to school.
1: Well, he can't go back to school. Well, he can't go physically
0: back, but I think NCAA hockey even in – oh, Ivy League canceled all their winter sports, so he can't go back to play hockey anyway.
1: Well, he signed a contract. He can't play hockey. Oh, right, right, right. The the NCAA's amateurism rule, say what you want about it, but they're very clear in hockey. Mm -hmm. If you sign a contract, you can't play. So he's got
0: to go somewhere that's uh, likely the AHL, but possibly the NHL.
1: Well, again, you know, back he signed his entry level contract back in August. And I wrote back then that the COVID 19 pandemic did influence the decision because the Ivy League canceled fall sports and winter sports were up in the air. Well, as of November 12th, word got out that the Ivy League canceled winter sports, which is significant in hockey since Harvard, believe it or not, has become a power in terms of developing NHL players uh-huh. in recent years, including guys like Walsh, who went to Harvard. Now, the criticism for Har- for Walsh is that he was never the top defenseman at Harvard. He he was on the second pairing last season. However, the guy was very productive in his time with the Crimson. He put up 20 points as a freshman. He had 31 points in 33 games as a sophomore. He had 27 points in 30 games um, right up until the COVID pandemic uh, ended this end of the season for college. Uh, only Jack Rathborn on the blue line put up more points than Walsh, and Walsh still finished Fifth on the team in scoring. So it's not like this guy was just getting easy minutes and favorable situations to rack up points. Like the guy played significant, he played a significant role. It just wasn't never, he was just never the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, this is, again, the Devils don't have offensive, many offensive defensemen in their system, much less right right shooting defensemen in their system. And and the big risk with Walsh is if there was a season, you know, because a lot of kids at Harvard have done this, Um, is return to your senior season and then not sign with the team who drafted you and then become a free agent and see if anybody wants you. And a guy like Walsh would probably be in demand since he is productive and is right-handed. So in any case, so it was good that the Devils were able to sign him. And now that we know that the Ivy League is not going to have a 2020-2021 season at all, you know Walsh made the right decision because, again, it's better to play somewhere than nowhere. Yeah. um it still is a big question of where that will be since we don't know what the ahl is going to do so he could be one of those black aces that is carried with the team just to keep him active or if they can try to work out some sort of deal there, there's a lot of particulars here but in terms of in a if we put the pandemic aside here the ahl would be the best place for him to go he needs to get used to the pro game similar to how ball is about the defense walsh is much more about providing offense mm-hmm. so um, it's going to be a question similar to ball of like, okay, what can you do at the pro game level? Can you do what you do at that? You know, Can you do what you do at the pro level, what you did at the youth level? Right. And if he can, if he can handle the speed of the pro game, if he can defend at that level, that definitely bodes well for his future in the NHL. Cause he actually has an NHL uh, future based on what he's done in college. And that, it's just now a matter of um, checking to make sure if that happens. So He was ranked 12th last year. I think lots of people are pretty high on his possibilities. Um, And again, he fills a role that the Devils just don't have very much of in the system. So he's going to continue to get plenty of uh, love and uh, perception bonuses, for lack of a better term, (laughs) um, for a couple more years. But uh, coming in at 12th is a solid spot for him and uh, pretty telling about how the fans look at him since we just named three guys who just entered the organization – that weren't on the 2019 list, and Walsh was one of the few players to have not moved down, whereas last week, in last week's episode, most of the players that we talked about moved down because of those new
0: names. Mm -hmm. And the last of those new names that rounds out this section of five on our list is the centerpiece of the Sammy Votnin trade that happened at the deadline last year when the Devils got a pick, and also a guy by the name of Yanni Kwakinen, who comes in at number 11 on our list, who is as quad A of a player as you can find last year, and there's hope that he'll be more for the Devils uh, in the
1: future. That's right. I mean, similar to Merkley, Quacken was very good at the AHL level. He primarily has played for Charlotte, but he could never crack the Carolina lineup. Now, unlike Merkley, Carolina has actually been a solid hockey team for the past few years. So that's, a, you know, it's a bit more of a fight for Quacken. So it's it's one of those classic cases of, you know, you're not getting a chance here. You got to go somewhere else for another chance. And it looks like New Jersey will be that chance. Unfor- unfortunately, he got his, N- his New Jersey devil debut on March 10th. <laughs> and the NHL was put on pause on March 11th. Yeah. So his, his, his NHL debut was hardly notable. And the devils as a whole were hardly notable. Chris wrote the recap for one and his headline was, uh, the devil, no pretending the devils were uninspiring at a two five loss to Pittsburgh, uh, <laughs>
0: It ended yeah. up being the loss that kept them out of the play in tournament.
1: Well, we didn't know there was gonna be a play. I mean, play there were many
0: losses that kept them out of it, but yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's not just one. Yeah. But anyway, but prior to that debut, he went to Binghamton and he put up three goals and three assists in four games, which is another sign of like, yeah, this dude is ready for the next level. Mm-hmm. So, like a like a lot of these types of players, he was loaned out, uh, he was loaned out to Karpat of the Liga in Finland. Uh, unfortunately, his start in Carpat has not been very good, unlike Merkley. Um, he's only had um, one goal and two assists in his first uh, his, uh, first 12 games. He just ended his 11-game uh, goalish streak, or 12-game goalish streak, I should say, uh, just yesterday on Saturday. In a, you know, He finally scored his first goal. I found the clip of it, and he looked so relieved to have finally scored a goal. Yep. <laughs> uh, to be fair, he has been averaging around 14 minutes a game. And he's had 20, he's been averaging over two shots per game, so I mean it's not like he hasn't been trying. It's just this dude just had a really bad start. Um, and if his if loans are going to be ending anytime soon, you know, hopefully he'll be able to uh, resolve his time and show up better in camp. That being said, you know we're talking about a guy who's had a career point per game rate of .77 in the AHL, which means he knows how to handle this the North American style of play. He understands the pro game in that sense. It's really just a question of can he get an opportunity in the NHL and in New Jersey, he should be able to fight for a spot. And I think a lot of people think he will, Um, you know, the time is starting to run out a little bit on him. He is 22 years old. So it's almost, we're getting close to a case of like, if not this season, it's going to be next season. And then what, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of growth um, necessarily in the, you know, for Quacken in terms of like what he can do on the ice. But I think a lot of people expect him to be in New Jersey for at least Part of this coming season, even if he's at black ace, you know, I, I could see this guy like Merkley uh, compete and fight for a spot in camp and may actually have a good chance of getting one. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Devils are loaded at left wing. And um, I think that's a big reason why he is coming in at 11, where a number of people, including yourself, Dan, put him in the top 10.
0: Yeah, I think that was a matter of him just being so close to Quad a and the Devils before they made a few uh, trades and signings he looked to be on a path that was much more oriented towards uh being in the middle sixth of the lineup rather than the bottom but yeah i'm hoping to see more from him just this ranking of mine was basically just based on those AHL rates you were talking about
1: right and uh, and again it's a good rate it's what you want in an AHL player you don't want to look at someone like say McLeod, where it's like Bro, if you're really ready for the NHL, where's the production? Where's the right. success? Where's the where's the sign that, you know, you're ready to move up? Whereas with Quacken, he's long proved that. Mm-hmm. So so hopefully he'll be able to have a good camp, get an NHL spot and then hopefully fight to, to stay there. And if that's the case, then you got a lot more out of the Sammy Vatten and Carolina did with him.
0: Yep. And that's really the goal. I think the Devils. This list from eleven to fifteen really shows how affected the Devils were at trading away these assets last year, uh, because eleven through fifteen features one, two, three names that were acquired either because of a trade or directly in a trade, right? And then
1: and then Muka Medulin. He was the Vancouver first rounder. Oh, I was so... including him in that. Sorry, oh, okay. there's four names. Four names, but the point, but you're absolutely right, Dan. And Tom Fitzgerald was involved in, in the Quacken trade. Mm -hmm. Like that was his trade. Yep. And so was, so was Muka Medulin pick. Like he acquired that pick. So, I mean, and of course he was the assistant GM. I I'd like to think he was in the discussion with Ray Sherrill about that hall trade. So, I mean, you know, this, this part of the list has Fitzgerald's fingerprints all over He even signed Walsh. He, Mm -hmm. He managed to convince Walsh to sign an ELC, which again, could you imagine Walsh's mindset right now if, he didn't. Yeah. He If he didn't, he might come back to New Jersey and go, can, can I sign a contract please. now, please? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not going to play. I, I need to play somewhere. <laughs> get, me, get me on the books. Uh, oh, goodness. I, I feel I feel bad for the seniors in the Ivy League. Well, yeah, like I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do what they're doing in football and grant an extra year of eligibility. But, you know, it, it's harder
0: it, to justify it, in hockey as opposed to football purely based on the revenue that each one brings in.
1: This is true. Yeah. (laughs) Football, football's a moneymaker and football is a larger roster too. Yes. There's always going to be injury. So it's not like, you know, a senior returning means somebody else isn't going to play Whereas in hockey. It's not a big revenue sport. And there's only so many spots and the recruiting process is a lot more difficult. Like you have to recruit 15 year olds and and convince them not to go to junior hockey. Right. Uh, And that's a, that's a you have to continue to recruit them even after you get the commitment Mm -hmm. because they could always switch their commitment to go play in Canada or Europe or, or wherever. So, so I, I lots of sympathy out there for the Ivy league kids Mm -hmm. and the coaches. Yeah. But Walsh, Walsh is a New Jersey devil and could theoretically play for New Jersey, um, depending on how that is. But next week we will be discussing the first half of the top 10. And we already mentioned a couple of the names, um, you can probably figure out who's in the top ten <laughs> based on the process of elimination. Yeah, <laughs> but the order, the order of it might interest you. Yes, I, I think I think you will be interested in that. And again, Dan, I may have to call you out on one of these uh votes. Go for it,
0: because I uh I'm looking at this list and I think I know exactly who I'm going to be called out for. And yeah, again, definitely. it's for the same exact reason of the uncertainty. I just don't know.
1: Well, that's true. <laughs> that is true. You, you are bailed out by real life, helping, helping you justify your pick retroactively. Right? Like, it, <laughs> it, that's what happened. <laughs> they should call you Danstradamus. <laughs> that's, that's what they do sometimes.
0: But anyway, yeah, to recap the five we just went over, Shakir Mukumadoulin, Nick Merkley, Kevin Ball, Riley Walsh, and Yanni in reverse order from 15 to 11. Uh, so that's the next part of our top five list. And as John said, we'll have uh, the beginning of the top ten for you starting next week, alongside any other Devils news that we hear about. And as it seems we're approaching the season, uh, any news regarding the return to play for the NHL. So, John, anything else for today?
1: I've seen the teasers for the reverse retro money grab that Adidas is putting on for the NHL. Mm-hmm. They released teases of all the teams. Yes, yes. Originally, I said we were going to talk about this, but the jersey is going to be re- released. Let's look at the whole jersey before yeah. I give out about it. I will say that I'm currently not a fan. Yeah. And I am looking to save $150 here. Now.
0: I'm looking to spend it as fast as I possibly can. Uh, well, it just shows
1: goes to show who has better fashion sense between the two of
0: us. I don't think buying a hockey jersey has anything to do with fashion sense
1: it has everything to do with (laughs) your
0: aesthetics matter okay well okay look we'll get into it when we have the full jersey to discuss garden state should be green that's our whole thing (sighs) anyway we'll get to that on the garden state of hockey podcast in a few weeks or a week uh, depending on when they find actually the final reveal should be tomorrow of the new jerseys but yeah we'll, we'll tackle those next week and uh You know, for now, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And keep an eye out for those loan deals being terminated that we talked about. And uh, we'll catch you next week for the bottom half of our top ten. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.